Thanks for checking out the Wake Up Real Estate Podcast. Ryan and I are both so grateful that you're here. To check out the full video replay, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Wake Up Real Estate, or you can find the YouTube link in the description on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Okay, so yeah, welcome everybody. Thanks for hopping on today uh, for this kind of information session that we do most Wednesdays at two o'clock. We usually like to feature some niched mortgage program or something you know related to financing uh, that'll help everybody uh, possibly do a couple more deals this year. You know, this knowledge about these niche mortgage programs. Uh, you might not use them today, right? It's kind of stuff that you can put in the back of your head, but you store it there and then you come across the client or a, or a situation. You're like, oh yeah, that's that. this is right for this. Uh, this particular topic is one that's kind of near and dear to my heart. Uh, I, you know, I kind of worked with investors in Philadelphia for a lot of my career. And uh, this topic came up a lot. Uh, and that topic is kind of hard money loans, right? Um, and uh, Jacqueline uh, Shirley is here from, I believe it's Oak Tree. I have to look at your signature again. Uh, Oak Tree Mortgage, Jacqueline? Yeah, it's actually investor funding now. Okay. It's yep. called investor funding. Investor. And, and I saw you had a, a URL on your signature, non-QM expert. So this seems like something you you specialize in. Yeah, definitely. I've been in business purpose, short-term lending now forever. You know, when non-QM first became popular back in like 2012, when we stopped calling it Alt-A and Subprime and decided to call it non-QM. Um, and then, you know, when subprime became hard money, you know, and then now we call it RTL. So. Okay. But yeah, yeah hard money, hard money is probably the term that people are most familiar with, right? It's, it's kind of. Yeah. Uh, hard money, you- private loans, you know, RTL, STL, there's all kinds of different vernacular. We keep trying to make it sound something nicer, you know, softer, but it's, it's hard money lending. Yeah. Yeah. So Josh, when he sent the invite out, he told me, he just, I think he said cheaper, hard money. So I'll, I'll let you talk about, first off, maybe a little bit more about what we mean by hard money. And then what did Josh mean by cheaper? Okay. Yeah. So, so hard money, meaning there's no trade, there's no RESPA, you know, these are not traditional mortgages. Um, there are longer term loans, right? You've got like your DSCR type business purpose loans that are not bound by traditional mortgage regulations, but uh, their short-term financing really is what we normally mean in hard term or hard money. So 12 month up to 24 month term, there's fix and flip, which would have a construction component. And then there's bridge. Those are the two traditional products that you're going to see. So the purpose of these are really loans that are meant to the borrower is going to use them for one of two things. They're acquiring a property they're renovating a property, um, they're getting out of some loan that they're in, and they're going to be doing something else next. So it's not a long-term play. It costs money to have short-term money. There's not a lot of underwriting that goes into it. We're not really underwriting the borrower in this case. We're underwriting the collateral. Um, We're really looking at the property. It's property-based underwriting. There's very few documents that are needed from the borrower. They close super fast. Um, They can close as fast as a cash purchase. So you will have people that write cash offers and then flip into hard money financing. That's very normal. And I'm sure you saw that since you've worked with investors. So uh, to compete with cash offers, they'll write as cash and then flip into, you know, bridge loan, um, you know, or a fix and flip loan, and then use those renovation funds to fix up a property that they got a really good deal on and then sell it for a higher value later. Um, As far as, you know, cheaper hard money, when we think of these loans traditionally, they used to be really, really super, super crazy, super expensive. You know, you could pay anywhere between five and 10 points up front and, you know, in origination points. And then the interest rate was like 15%. So there's enough players in the game now that it requires lenders, hard money lenders to be competitive. You know, there, there's enough space. It's not, we don't have the market cornered anymore. 
Um, and especially with where we see secondary markets now and other non-QM rates are up. And honestly, there's not really that much of a difference between hard money rates and your standard non-QM products. Looking at like a DSCR loan, for example, yeah. you're looking at something in the low eights, right? My hard money rates are going to be, you know, maybe like 10. It's really okay. not that different. So if I can get a loan done for you in five to seven days and I need three pieces of information from your borrower versus your DSCR loan with some other lender that may have Fannie Freddie overlays unnecessarily on another business purpose loan and it's going to take you 30 to 45 days. Yeah. yeah. You know? And you're and you're planning to get out of it. Uh so I do have some questions. So do we need to be out in six months the way the way hard money usually is or so the bridge and the fix and flip loans are 12 month term. So the goal is to be completely out of that loan with the loan paid off in 12 months. So if it's a construction, if there's a construction component, that is actually a pretty tight timeline when you think about it, because the loan funds, you've got to complete whatever the renovation work is, then get the property listed for sale and sold within that 12 month time. You can get extensions. The borrower can get extensions after that. So they could do a one month or a three month extension and give them some extra time if they need to. But, you know, there's also the opportunity to do another short term loan, right? So you can refi them out of whatever the original fix and flip loan was. And now you're doing a bridge and you're saying, all right, you finished that. We're going to do another year. We'll give you another year and we'll do a refi out of the original loan and do another year because they definitely don't want a prepayment penalty. You know, they don't want to go into something with a five-year hard prepay. They know they're going to sell it. They just need a little more time on market. You know, there's lots of ways to kind of keep dipping back into the same pot, um, you know, necessary, and they need just a little bit more time. What What is the penalty if you don't, uh, you get the 12 months? What happens? If you don't pay it off? Yeah. Yeah. So in that case, we look at doing the extensions, like I was saying. So the extensions okay. can get, they can get pretty expensive. So it's generally 1% per month. So 1% of the loan balance. So they, they definitely can get pretty expensive. Okay. So that's, that's in the original, that's in, a, in the original kind of agreement. Yeah. As you know. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And that is, and that is exactly what the underwriting does is it looks at the project to make sure that that project is going to get completed on time or that whatever the takeout plan is, that it's solid. So that's what we go back and forth with when we're originally sizing the deal, when it's in loan analysis and when we're approving it. So we are very, very sure and very, very comfortable that we're not going to be in a position of the loan is not getting paid off because we don't want that loan either. We don't want to get stuck with it on our books. We don't want to foreclose on a mid-swing property. You know, nobody wants that. The borrower doesn't want that. We don't want that. So in underwriting, when I'm looking at a rehab budget, for example, because I do personally underwrite these loans, I'll look at them over my underwriters and, you know, just take a look and see what they're looking at. If I'm looking and I'm seeing there's a whole bunch of lumber costs, for example, it's in a geographical region where I know lumber is delayed. You know, we have, and we saw that a lot during COVID, supplies were very hard to get. And we know this project is just not going to happen on time. Maybe we're not going to move on that deal. So that's the kind of underwriting that we're looking at versus how long has the borrower been employed? What do his tax returns look like? You know, yeah. it's just a very different way of looking at a file. We're looking at the project and the property. Yeah. And you said there were three pieces of information you needed. Um, so what from the, the borrower, yeah, we need their yeah. ID, their entity docs, and their insurance. Okay, it needs to be an entity. It, it's not correct. You're not mm -hmm. doing this in your personal name. Yeah, they can be okay. an LLC, a corporation, or a revocable trust. Okay. Yeah. And then, but really, you're kind of just like traditional hard money. You're kind of coming in with the mindset of a partner almost on the on the. The property. Absolutely. Yeah. I okay. am running the ROI. I'm running the return on investment. I'm looking at their business plan and saying, yep, it's a good plan. You're going to make money on this. I like it. Your margins are solid. I love it. It's a great deal. Yeah. Let's do it. Here's the money. Let's do it. Or yeah. I'm looking at it and I'm saying your margins are too slim. I'm not comfortable with this. Here's what I'll give you instead. I'm not comfortable going all the way up to 90% LTV on the initial funding, but I'll go to 80, you know? So it's those kind are it's kind of cool because you could use you as, you know, uh, your company as, as kind of a babysitter, not a babysitter, but you, you stop people from doing dumb things. Absolutely. Thing. All day long. I mean, a million yeah. times. And and it, it is, it is funny because you'll have people say, I've been doing this for a hundred years and, you know, I've done a million of these and I'm looking at the numbers and I'm going, mm -hmm, I'm sure you have. But yeah. when I'm looking at this, you're about to lose your butt. So 
what we're yeah. going to do instead is, you know, we're going to structure it like this and then everybody wins really, you know, and that's the goal. We want them to be successful and make money, sell the property, you know, and then use that money to go on to make their next acquisition and use us as the lender again. Yeah. So, so, uh, so typically does the borrower need to come in with cash? I guess you're lending on the after rehab value. You said. Yeah, they're going to come in with the down payment. So okay. we'll go up to 90% of the purchase price or as is, whichever is lower. So okay. they're going to come in with a minimum of 10% of that amount. Okay. Uh, we'll do 100% of the rehab, you know, depending on that LTARB. So we're going to be at, capped at 75% LTARB, but we'll go up to 100% of that rehab. It's a reimbursed draw. So what the way that works is uh, they give their rehab budget. They'll give an itemized line item, you know, everything that they plan to do. And then they'll pay for each one of those items and then come to us and say, we completed this item. Here's the invoices. We send an inspector out within 24 hours and they're reimbursed for each one of those items. It's an unlimited number of draws. They can come in as many times as they want. Some people come for every single one of those, you know, and they can recycle the same thousand dollars over and over again and just keep pulling that money off the draw. Some people use all their own money and they just come at the end and pull the full chunk of money, you know, however they want to handle it. It's really just a matter of how cash liquid that borrower is and and how they want to manage those funds. But we don't limit the number of um, draws that they can come in for. Okay. So I'm I, hopefully this will be helpful for everybody else, but I thought it might be cool if we maybe we walk through a scenario um, just so it's, I, I imagine a lot of people watching now have done this sort of a deal, but many might not have, especially people new to the business. Um, so I'm just going to make up, a, is this cool, Jacqueline? Can I just make up kind of a scenario? Maybe you can yeah. help me. Sure. Okay. So, so uh, let's just start with the subject property. Um, uh, let's just say it's on the market for uh, 200,000. The after rehab value, 200 is probably low, but the after rehab value is 300. It needs how much in repairs? 30, 40 or 50? I'm just throwing this off the top of my head, but something like that, right? Yeah. Um, and you can give me better numbers that more match what's going on right now in the real world. Uh, I'm just I'm just throwing no, this out. this works. Yeah. Okay. So... So um, the borrower doesn't doesn't need. I just want to remind everybody doesn't need uh, W two tax returns. Yeah, no income documentation at all. I don't need to know nothing. where they work. I don't need to know. They don't even need to be. They can be fully unemployed. So I have. I need no employment information whatsoever. There is no ten oh three, no three point two, no three point four, nothing yep. like that whatsoever. Okay. No so hard credit pull, soft credit pull only. Okay. It's very, very, and it's the incognito of lending. <laughs> okay. So the soft credit pull is is like, does this guy have judgments and liens all over the place with the IRS? Yeah, I'm going to get a FICO so. score. So I am getting a FICO score, but you know, in these investors, they don't want hard inquiries showing up. So there's no hard inquiry that's going to show up on their on their credit report. I'm getting a FICO. I'm looking for mortgages. There's no DTI. I don't care about any other reporting. I don't care about delinquencies on any non-mortgage reporting trade lines. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, judgments and liens? Uh, yeah. Judgments and liens we're going to want to take care of. So from either personal. Can, yeah. yeah. So if they're okay. in, and if they're showing up on the credit report, then that's, that's one thing. If they show up on title, that's one thing. If they don't show up anywhere, I don't, I'm not going to go hunting for them. Okay. Things okay, uh, so it's really on the property, and if the borrower's okay, they're okay. Does the credit score affect the rate at all? Um, it's more that it can affect the leverage that we're looking for. So, but there's really only two buckets, so we're 680 below 680 and above 680 is what we're looking at. Okay, so and we're at a minimum credit score of 600. When you said affects leverage, you mean affects down page, right? Yes, yeah, okay. And a minimum of 600? Correct. Okay, minimum, minimum 600. But anybody who fits these criteria, if they can find a property that the numbers work for, can get financing these days. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh. I mean, the one thing I would keep in mind here, so there's two things that are critical for the borrower in these, for these particular types of loans. 
And and in this, I'm talking about the short-term loans, the 12-month term for fix and flip and bridge, um, and not the DSCR business purpose, um, which we do have that too. I know a lot of people have that, but ours is a hard money underwrite, so it's a little bit different. Um, we underwrite it the same way that we underwrite these hard money loans, and it's just a long-term product. Okay. But specific to the fix and flip and bridge loan, um, we do require that they have had experience flipping or holding. So some kind of prior renovation where they got a home, they did some kind of renovation and they either sold it or they held it within the last 36 months. So they okay. can't be, we call it a rookie. So they cannot, we don't do rookies, no rookies. Okay. So enough. that's one thing. And then no felonies. So in most cases, I don't uh-huh. no felonies of any kind, not even the DUI kind. Okay. Um, yeah. So those are the two hard lines. We do do a full criminal background check, which is the one place that we are more stringent in underwriting than traditional uh, mortgage, where you might just do a fraud guard and see if anything pops up there. We do full, it, it is actually a full criminal background. Um, and any type of felony that shows up is a full hard line. So those are the only two borrower related underwriting criteria that they, they cannot be a absolute rookie and there cannot be a felony. Um, to the point of rookie borrowers, though, it is not uncommon for new investors that want to get into the space that, ha- you know, they don't have the experience to go into some kind of JV agreement with their general contractor. And, yeah. and it's a great way for you to kind of get in there and suggest that to them. You know, if you're ta- having that conversation and you know they're not going to qualify, it's like, well, how are they planning to do the project? They're going to use a GC. They're not going to do the work themselves, Right. The GC has the qualifying experience, so they can JV with that general contractor, add them as a member to the entity. You know, entities can be formed in 24 hours in most states, Wyoming, Delaware. You know, you can literally do it online in 24 hours. You can add them as a member on a Word document, quite literally, sign it and send it off. They've got some, uh, you know, equity share agreement for when the purchase is complete we can use that general contractor's experience as the qualifying track record and everybody wins. You know, there's so many creative ways to kind of work around these things. Don't let a uh, JV, uh, um, oh my gosh, brain fart, uh, joint venture. Yeah. <laughs> joint venture. Yeah. So, so if they have created their entity, right. They've formed new, you know, home investors, LLC, and they're the 100% owner, but they have no experience. So they're not going to qualify for the loan. Now they can do a joint venture with their general contractor and say, all right, Mr. General Contractor, I'm going to make you a 25% owner in Home Ventures LLC. And you can have 25% of the future proceeds on sale of this property because Home Ventures LLC owns or will yeah. own this property we're purchasing in, in exchange for guaranteeing the loan alongside me you know, and the entity's purpose can be just for the purchase acquisition and sale of that one entity. You know, there's so many really creative ways that that people get around it because everyone starts from zero, right? Every borrower at one time either self-funded to get the track record, they had to use their own money, or they had to find somebody that was willing to go in with them and took a piece of what they were winning, you know? So you can be the one to suggest these things and say, I can't do the loan for you, but here's a way that we can make it work. Do you know anybody that has the experience that will JV with you, that will guarantee the loan with you? Well, what's interesting about what you just said, my my brother's a general contractor. He does kitchens and baths. And we've talked about doing a project, uh, you know, from time to time. But it's just occurring to me that you could go out to any general contractor in your market and bring this idea up. And it's all it's all of them have had this on their mind, but they don't know. They don't have the, the knowledge of how to go about getting the finance. Yeah. Um, so there's a whole pool of people we can email. You can just go on Google, uh, Google Business or Google Maps tomorrow. Look for every contractor in your market and start messaging them. Yeah. Uh, and, and share this program with them, and and you're kind of. You know, yeah. I saw chat, a chat come up. So experience to to clarify, we're not looking for swing a hammer experience. We're not looking for actual building experience. We're looking for the purchase. Um, and sale within the last 36 months. So they bought that, they bought a home for whatever the number was, let's say 200,000, and then they sold it for more. So they successfully purchased and flipped a house and made a profit on it within the last 36 months. 
So exactly. Yeah. Flip or hold experience in the last 36 months. So if I'm a homeowner, but then I get my contractor brother, I need to have some other action or the contractor kind of qualifies because if, if he is co-guaranteeing, then he is, his experience counts to the loan. We don't need both people, uh, just one. Right. But that contractor, would that contractor have had to flip something or is the fact that they're like involved in projects where somebody else was flipping? He would have had to flip something, but most of the time they are. So that's what I'm saying is if you're, if you talk to your own GC that you're using and he has experience because he's done his own homes, then you can be like, Hey, you're doing my home. How do you feel about doing this with me? Would you like to partner on it? Um, Most of the GCs that we know have their own properties that they've done as well and have a track record. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, traditional hard money, I'm just going to kind of recap traditional hard money, in my opinion, was kind of like taking on a 50, 50 partner, the way the math kind of works or, or worse sometimes, right? Like, because that, you know, it would have been easier in a lot of cases to just have that guy give you half, half the cash in this scenario, because the rates a little bit lower, you're not charging Eight points or 10 points? Well, Uh, yeah. So for origination points, we are going to be somewhere between like one and a half for origination to lender. Um, And then you guys can charge on top of that. So it's still the broker. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, a lot of people here are real estate agents. So we're, we're, okay. Yeah. We're we're thinking about the scenario for the, you know, the uh, borrower themselves, you know, how we present this to the borrower. Yeah, and then I would say then also for realtors that because these are, you know, we're not bound by the same regulations that we do do referral fee to realtors as well. So that's something that we can do because we don't have the same regulations that bind us. So, and we have two different ways that we do that also, which is like if you want to just kick it over the fence and be like, hey, I have a guy who needs help. We don't, you know, good, here's the name, here's the email, goodbye. Right. Or, hey, I have, an actual buyer hmm. and we need to have the loan and I'm referring it over and I'm going to be involved in that transaction, right? Those are two different types of referrals. Um, but you can absolutely earn a referral fee as a realtor on these types of deals because we do not have TRID. So um, there's okay. that. Um, I saw a couple of chats just to not get too far away from them. As far as does it affect the contractor's credit? So the loan, these loans do not report to credit. The servicer does not report them to credit. Again, kind of my joke about these being incognito loans. Um, one thing about these is that these investors tend to own a lot of properties. And as you know, in traditional mortgage, it's difficult to get traditional loans when you have too many mortgages yeah. popping up on credit. So one thing that's really important for us is that we are not creating problems for our borrowers. So our servicers do not report to credit. That said, if the loan goes delinquent, then absolutely, yes, it will. So we are all best friends and we love everybody unless the loan goes into default. And then we are everybody's absolute worst nightmare because the flip side of not having trade and RESPA and all those fun, really wonderful protections is that if the loan goes bad, they don't have trade RESPA and all those really wonderful protections either. You bust kneecaps, right? Somebody shows yeah. up at your door. That's called hard money for a reason. You know, I'm yeah. the nice fun face on the front, but the guy in the back room, you know, <laughs> he's not so fun. So um, it's not yeah. really like that, but you guys are probably quick to foreclose. Is, is, yeah, is a, is a I'm totally, nicer way to I'm, say. I'm kneecaps. totally joking. Um, yeah. But but I mean, it. but in all seriousness, the default interest rate is 35%, you know, and, and like no joke, it's 35%. For, for default interest. So okay. everything is lovely and totally fine. And no, nothing is going to show up on credit and everything is great unless the loan defaults. So and the, the idea behind that default interest rate is it accelerates the need for the, the borrower to get out. And, and, and you guys aren't going into this unless you're probably okay taking the property back. Yeah. Right? Everything is set. Like- the underwriting is set in reverse for worst case scenario. If, if worst case scenario we needed to take the property back. How are we collateralized? What position are we in? What are the losses? You know, what position is the lender in, et cetera. So exactly right. But if you can find a deal that works, you've got a financial partner here that's not as expensive as traditional hard money. It's hundred percent. It's like yeah. a nine or 10% rate and a, a one and a half points, maybe a little extra for mortgage broker fees or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and you got 12 months. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. This, 
Very interesting. So uh, I, I have these numbers up. All right. So the subject property is 200. The after rehab is 300 and repairs needed are 40. Uh, I need to be, let's assume that I fit all the borrower criteria. I need to be 90%. It's 90% LTV, right? So I need to bring 10% of the after rehab value. Uh, you would bring 10% of the purchase price. So in this case, you come in with 40 grand. Okay. Equals 10% of the purchase of the yep. 200K. Yep. So 20 grand. Uh, oh yeah. Sorry. 20 grand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so 20 K. So we 10%. would do 180,000 on the initial funding. So at closing, we would fund 180,000 right up front. Uh-huh. This is the initial closing. And then the draws come into play. We yep. And then after closing, they'd have that 40,000 available to them to use for the rehab for okay. whatever whatever they had on their budget. So in, if you know 40 grand is probably a light rehab, maybe they're doing some paint inside, they're replacing the carpet, you know, something simple. Uh, yeah. but they're they're basically financing those repairs after closing. So when I take a draw on that 40,000, do I need to explain to you like with that with 203k like every little detail about what I'm doing or or do I... You will have already provided that in underwriting. So it's a okay. rehab the rehab budget is kind of a line item of what you plan to do. So in the 40 grand you've already broken it down to me and said what it is and then we will take that budget and we send it in to determine what the after repair value is to say is that number, you know, you said 300,000 on there is 200,000 with 40 grand worth of work really going to get you to 300,000? Do we agree with that? Sometimes we can do that without an appraisal. Sometimes we need to get the full appraisal to determine that depending on where our price point is okay. um, and also what the geographical region is. Uh, if we need the full appraisal, then the way that the appraisal works is it has your standard as is value like you're used to. And then it has the ARV value will include the rehab budget as a supplement within that appraisal. And then the appraiser will actually adjust the comparables to the rehab budget. So they'll say, what is the value of the home in its future state based on the information provided in the rehab budget? So for example, if the borrower says, we're going to add a bedroom, they're going to give credit for that bedroom and use comps that have an additional bedroom and then ascertain the after repair value. And we will underwrite to that. So, so when I go to do the bedroom, I just ask for the 40,000 or the 10, you know, whatever the draw is, what, what's that process look like? For the draws. So that's yeah. where I was saying you can do it an unlimited number of times. You can go, you know, line by line, you know, every time you do any little thing, you can come in and re request money from it, or you could do it in chunks. Everybody does it differently. Okay. Um, I would say it again, just kind of depends on how, the borrower's cash flow is. So okay. if they're very cash tight, they are probably going to come in for every single little thing to kind of get the cash out as quickly as possible. The draws are really quick. They're within, we process them within 24 hours. The only okay. time that they take longer is if the numbers are not reconciling. For example, they said that they did the windows. Let's say they had $10,000 for windows. They want to get that $10,000 out. The inspector goes out within 24 hours and the windows are not completed. He goes out there and the windows are not done. We're not obviously we're not going to get that money out within 24 hours because we're not reconciling to what the borrower has submitted. So in that case, you know, it may take a little bit more time. But if everything lines up, the borrower says they did 10 grand of windows. The inspector goes out within 24 hours. Windows are done. Perfect. We wire money within that 24 hour window of time. OK, so it is based on based on inspections. Yes. Oh, Lord. You have yeah. inspectors everywhere? Who, who's doing those inspections? Yep. Nationwide. So we have three nationwide vendors that we use. Okay. So we put the inspection report out and whoever takes the bid the fastest is the one that goes out to guarantee that we get that 24-hour turn time. Okay, cool. So uh, I I finance 180. There's 40,000 available. So I'm really only out of pocket for 20,000 plus my points and, and other- Yeah, your closing, closing costs. costs. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then a lot of times I imagine the, the borrowers kicking in some other cash of their own to get the repairs done. Um, well, so generally, to. yeah, he shouldn't need to. I mean, honestly, because okay. we could go, it's very rare. Most of the time that 75% LTARV is going to cover 100% of the rehab budget. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And, and that the 
Right. That's a key point. So you'll you'll lend up to 75% of the after rehab. And that's where this 40,000 number is coming in. Okay. Right. I, got it. I saw and a question about um, restrictions on, on the type of work that can be done. And the answer to that is no. I mean, any type of work that needs to be done, we can do. The only thing that you're going to see is there there is a delineation between light rehab and heavy rehab. And again, that's going to be a leverage adjustment. So we'll go higher leverage on what we consider light rehab and lower leverage on what we consider heavy rehab. So heavy rehab is going to be um, a change of use, for example. Let's say they're they're converting a house into a duplex. That's going to be a heavy rehab project. So we're not going to go to 90% loan to value on that, for example. Um, if they're adding more than 70, 750 square feet to a property or 20% of the existing square, more than 20% of the existing in addition, that's also going to be heavy rehab. Um, if they're tearing down the property to one wall, for example, that's also heavy yeah. rehab. So those things are going to be leverage adjustments, but we do allow it. So um, you'll see in our in a, can send our full guidelines that help explain those things. We also have a sizer, which is really useful because it asks a couple specific questions like that. And if you say yes, then it flags that for you and it will show you that there's caps on leverage because you've fallen into that heavy rehab bucket. So we do do everything, including ground up construction, a full tear down and rebuild or actual ground up from raw land. Um, but obviously the way that we collateralize those loans are different for somebody that's just doing some paint and carpet versus somebody that's going with brand new steel framing. Okay. Did you just say you can buy raw land and, and put something on it if you know what you're doing? We do you ground up construction. Yeah. yeah we okay. do ground up construction loans. Those are a little bit different in underwriting yeah. than these, but same, they're short-term financing loans for ground up construction. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to, I'm going to get through some of these questions here. Uh, as a realtor, can that count as the experience? Some interesting no, questions. So not, not yeah. realtor sales, uh, like as a participant in a transaction and that does come up. So it can't mm -hmm. be any kind of third party participant. It has to be the actual buyer. So, um, they can well, be like a, they can be a, what is the word I'm looking for? A minority on the entity that purchased a property, but they have to be a part of the buying entity or the buyer themselves. I think the spirit of that question is uh, a lot of people here are thinking about this for their own deals. Oh, so yeah. Would their yeah. experience as a realtor contribute you know, to them qualifying, I guess, is the question. Yeah, unfortunately, no. It I would need... Yeah. So the way we would qualify it is, can we pull a property profile that shows the buyer name? Or if I got a HUD alter a settlement statement, is the buyer name going to validate that that was okay. the party? But a lot of people watching are realtors and have done their own deals. So, so yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, if you're on yeah. the HUD or if you're on the HUD or the Alta as the buyer, then let's do, let's do your deal. You're next. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, Larry's, uh, Lawrence's question, uh, do we need to provide a cost breakdown per each line item of the project using the whole strategy? So it has, it's not too terrible. It has, uh, you know, what is the line item, a description, you know, what is it? A description of what it is. What is the unit of measurement and how many are there? What is the cost? Um, so there's four pieces of information that's needed for each one of those things. If not all four are on there I'm and I get the gist of it, then I'm going to let it go. If it just says kitchen 5,000, then I, yeah. I can't use that. And he's have kitchen cabinets, tile floor, like it, some of that, right? Needs yeah. To, to I mean, in some, yeah. So. Yeah. But, uh, but I, like the, I like this because, you know, you get so excited about a deal or a bus any business opportunity and you, you're just like, oh, this is going to work out. And everybody's an optimist. And then you have kind of like a, 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 like an accountant or a CFO from you guys who's, who's pulling in the reins a little bit saying, no, this deal isn't going to work. And you stop people from getting into bad situations. Yeah. So, I get to be kind of in the middle yeah. and I, I love it because, you know, we've got our whole team they, going back and forth with the, the loans. And I get, I, I look at each and every single deal and I see them all the way through secondary markets. Um, and I just, I kind of love it when they come in and sometimes I even save the really funny ones because it's just, you just kind of shake your head. But um, yeah. you know, our goal is to fund them. We want to close the deal. So I'm I'm absolutely never going to look at it and be like, oh, this is terrible. Like throw it in the garbage. You know, I'm going to send it back and be like, all right, we're really close. Here's what we need to do. 
let's do this. You know, we just need to tweak it a little bit where we just, you know, here we're $400 off here. Can you come down on this line item? You know, we're going to find a way to make it work. We want to close, we want to close loans. Well, the other thing you can always do is, is make the case that the price needs to be lower coming in. Right. And you can use, I don't know, I can imagine saying, Hey, you know, our, our financing here won't work unless we take 10 grand off as you're negotiating the, the deal. So as you have a deal, will you look at a deal that's not under contract yet? <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. No, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and and we do, when we have repeat borrowers too, because most of what happens is we end up with a client and we just keep recycling the same docs for them, right? Because we get to know them and we know how they work. We know their timelines. Oh, that's so-and-so. And he, clo- he finishes all his projects in six months. We get really comfortable with that borrower um, and doing their loans. And so we'll he'll send an address and ask us what we think. Hey, I'm looking at this. What do you think? You know, and it's like, we're like, oh, we love it. Yeah, we'll go up to 90, no problem. Before he's even written on it, you know? So that's definitely the relationships that we are looking to build. um, Because as we see loans get off our books, you know, they're performing loans, then we're very, very comfortable to continue lending to those borrowers. But you're almost giving advice on what it should be bought for. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a very symbiotic, Type of yeah. relationship, yeah. Um, okay, so Ellen uh, looks like she left uh, looking for a next project. We'll we'll give her a call. Uh, what is the maximum loan amount? Good question. Uh, we'll go up to three and a half million on initial funding. Okay. Yeah, Should I mean be. we can go higher, but we do tend to shy away from the hyper, super hyper luxury properties right now. Um, if you have something higher than that, I will always take a look at it. It's just they're they're a little bit harder to place right now. Not not a lot happening in capital and secondary mm-hmm. markets for those super luxury homes. Uh, is there a unit or like zoning restrict? You know, are, are you doing multis apartment buildings? Yeah, we do go up to ten units. Okay. So, um, and you'll see there's a little bit of a split once you go over the four units. So it's one to four in kind of one bucket, and then five to ten in a, in another bucket. Um, but yeah, we'll go up to ten. Uh, we do, do you mixed use. We do do uh, for the mixed use. It's fifty one percent residential. So if you've got something that's got a commercial component to it, we can do that as long as it's forty nine percent on commercial. Okay. And will you go into a a deal knowing, like an apartment building, knowing that the intention is a buy and hold, and then you'll do the financing to take the first loan out, or do you does that always go somewhere else? Yeah, no, we absolutely will. And especially since we have the um, that DSCR product also, we'll have the takeout is part of the underwriting. So we'll say, what is your exit strategy, right? Is the exit to sellers, the exit to hold? And if the exit's to hold, we do use the DSCR as the anticipated exit for holding. Um, and we can flip that right into another one of our loans. Okay. That's good. Yeah, that's that's good to know. I mean, you can go find somebody else, but it's going to be a lot easier to just use the same company again. Yeah, we just yeah. basically yeah. recycle the same docs and we can open with the same title company and everything. Yeah. Uh, what happens if they go over budget? Uh, well, they shouldn't if the numbers, <laughs> we're trying to stop that, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, we do. We do our best absolutely yeah. to not let that happen in underwriting, but it does happen. We do do, you know, budget reconciliations and post-closing and servicing. So. Um, we do have a process for that. Um, mostly okay. what we would do is we would have to reconcile the budget line items and take money from somewhere else and start moving money around. We don't generally add additional funds to the budget. We would have to reconcile other line items. Or the borrower just kicks in more. Exactly. Yeah. To yeah. self-fund yeah. some portion of their shortage. Yeah. A uh, scope of work and make sure the, sorry, Bill, I'm not catching that. Make sure the money makes sense. That's probably just a comment on what we were saying before. Are there repair restrictions, foundation, roof, s- stuff you don't want to see? I think in? I got that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't affect contractor's credit. Let's see. Uh, the maximum LTV on the ARV, that was 75%. Mm-hmm. Uh, do Okay. Good question. Do the contractors require a license? Sorry to answer that already. So for light rehab, they actually don't need to use a GC at all. Um, heavy rehab has to be GC, licensed GC. So you, they can do the work themselves and not be a licensed GC for light rehab. Um, but for heavy rehab, must be a licensed GC. Okay. Uh, and then what's the, uh, Carol says, what's the name of this one? What do you guys call it? 
So we have the fix and flip loan when that's the short-term loan that has the rehab component. So if they're going to have that, that draw after closing that they're using to fix the property up, that's fix and flip loan. The bridge loan is just a straight loan. That's a short-term 12-month term loan. So that's quick cash, right? They just need a loan to quickly buy a property with very, very few documents um, or a loan to very, very quickly get out of another loan that's maturing. Um, you know, they need a loan to quickly pull some cash out on a listed property that they're for sure going to sell in a few months. For example, that's a bridge. And then we have the DSCR loan, which, uh, you know, you're most likely familiar with. We just have a slightly different underwrite because we're using the hard money underwrite for that DSCR product that you're familiar with. Great. Um, thanks, Sasha. This is great info. Yeah, guys, this is really useful, especially, uh, you know, things are getting a little tough out there, right? There's not a lot of inventory. Interest rates are going up. So it's hard to do the conventional kind of conventional loan with a, a borrower with the 800 credit scores that's going to come in and buy something. But there's always going to be uh, investors and rehabbers out there looking for their next deal. So if you can help them find their next deal, one by knowing your market and finding the right property, and then knowing the financing side, you can create business that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, yeah. and it's and I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, yeah. I would say for myself, because I do use these loans for my own acquisition. So, um, and I, you know, everybody feels a little differently about this, this piece of information, but what my I buy properties in Hawaii and what my realtor does for me is I write all my offers cash. So he writes all my offers in as cash. Um, you know, they're non-contingent and then I still use these financing. You know, I still finance with these loans and we come in and and you know, basically let the seller know that after the fact after the offer is accepted because I can, you know, again, depending on if their appraisal is needed, which I can let you know that right away if I do or do not need to have an appraisal. But most of the time, depending on where the loan amount is, I just need a BPO. I don't need a full appraisal. Um, I can compete and close as quickly as a cash offer. I can close these things in like seven days. So it's, you know, again, as a realtor, you may hear that and say like, oh, that's not okay to write as cash if you know you're really yeah. not going to close as cash and everybody might feel differently. But that's how I'm getting in and competing um, against other cash buyers and um, have built up my own personal portfolio of properties. That's a good tip. Um, so how does this compare against other hard money lenders? It's just more affordable, Bill, right? That's that's the, it's not the six, seven points coming in um, and the really high 15% interest rate. It's, yeah, I would say it's a, a lot of people have the same thing we have. Um, as far as, you know, what makes us different, we are competitive on pricing and we are successful in execution. So we have really, really excellent upfront loan analysis. A lot of people will tell you that they can do something and then they fall out at the closing table or they change terms at the closing table. That's why a lot of hard money lenders have bad reputations because they promise you something upfront and then they change it later. We do a very... We're really, really, really good at our upfront underwriting. So if I tell you that we're going to do something, that's what we're going to close on. And we're not going to leave your borrower stranded and change terms at closing where they hate you and they hate me and everybody's really upset. Um, if I give you an, a letter of intent or a term sheet, then those are the terms that we are going to be moving forward on. I'm very proud of our reputation. I'm proud of my reputation and I really stand behind that. So I think that's where we really excel. And again, just, just being competitive in our pricing. Yep. Great. Uh, Ellen's question is great. Uh, can you buy uh, in your, with your IRA? Um, can you buy, like as far as that end. being our, the source of funds for the down payment? Or yeah, can you lend to the Roth? Does the Roth, you can, you can buy property with your IRA, right? So. I'm not sure I quite follow. Sorry. Yeah. Can I say something? Sure. Okay. I do buy and sell property in my Roth. It is allowed. You have to have a trustee. You know, there's, there's a, a company that does that that holds the title to the property, and you have to put all your money from your rents or whatever into or your sale back into your Roth. So um and I've got stocks and stuff in my Roth. I've got assets in my Roth, and I'm I've just sold a property out of my Roth. 
I have the proceeds sitting in my Roth. I'm looking for another property. I'm thinking I have to do it where I can get owner financing because I don't know of some entity that's going to loan to my Roth. I have stellar credit personally. So it's just kind of an odd question. So is the is the Roth the buyer? Would the buyer say the Roth? Okay. Right. So for for our purposes, the buyer has to be an LLC, a corporation, or a revocable trust. Okay. So we wouldn't be able to um, lend directly to the Roth or have the Roth be named as the buyer on a contract. Uh, no, no land trust. Revocable trust only. Yep. So this has been great. I, I learned a few things. Um, I've been trying to get my wife's really good at rehabbing. I'm trying to get her to do another project. So you might hear from yeah, me. Now's the time. Honestly, now's the time. I know I know that a lot of people are, the economy is so weird, right? Rates are up again today. People are just pulling their hair out. It's such a bizarre, weird time. But honestly, now is the time to get in there and be buying properties. Um, I've been scooping some up myself and I, I feel like a little stealth agent. Like, I'm just like, where is everybody? Like, yeah. This is the time to well, be making some moves. Well, and stuff's starting to sit on the market a little longer. So you yep. might be able to make an offer that's a little under asking, you know, for something that's not moving. Yeah. Um, and these short-term loans are allowing enough time also to allow traditional mortgage rates to resettle is kind of where I'm at also in the position that, um, you know, it's not a, they're not on fire to refinance out of them. They're giving me enough time to come in on these acquisitions for properties. People are a little bit concerned for buying. They're taking a little bit under where they normally would. And then we can refinance out on the ones that I want to hold. I'm going to Airbnb some of them. Some of them are going to be long-term holds. I'm going to sell some of them. You know, I I have enough time with these loans to strategize and figure out what my plan is, but still buy in a market that people are worried and they're willing to sell. So it's a good time. Great. So there was a question about how to get started. I threw up a really quick page that we have on our Wake Up Real Estate site that you guys can use that link and that'll come right to Jordan, Josh and the team and and Jacqueline uh, as well. Um, I'm going to make you guys a, we have landing pages on Wake Up Real Estate that are specific to specific mortgage programs. We don't have a hard money one yet, but I'm going to make one that kind of teases some of the terms Jacqueline talked about. Jacqueline that are kind of geared toward getting that loan over to, to, to your company. Uh, that you guys who are watching as realtors will be able to share with your clients. And it, you guys know how we do this. It kind of all tracks back to you and uh, might be a good lead capture tool for you. Um, so watch out for that. I'll probably send an email about that in the next 24 hours. Uh, you know, once I send it up. Um, the questions have been great. Did we forget anything, Jacqueline, that, that you wanted to talk about related to this? Or does anybody else have any questions? No, I mean, feel free to reach out to me. Like I said, no, no scenario is a bad scenario. The beauty about these things is that they they all kind of live in the gray area and um, we're really super flexible. I love to just kind of make things fit if we can make them fit. It's very much relationship lending, collateral lending. You know, don't don't be scared to ask the question if you haven't done these types of loans before. Um, always love to teach about them. So thank you for the time. Yeah, we did talk a lot about uh, rehab. I just a quick question. I know this might fall under DSCR, but what about uh, refinancing a property that you already have if you're an investor and you have a portfolio? Um, yeah, you mean like into a long-term takeout loan? Yeah, something or you know somebody who's sitting on a lot of equity or somebody who wants to they're sitting on a lot of equity, but they maybe they want to rehab the current property they have to make it more attractive. Yeah. I mean, we do do the fix and flip loan as a, as a refi. So we can do that. It doesn't need to be for acquisition. Same for bridge. We can do a cash out bridge. Um, and then also the DSCR loan. So all three of those are options for refinance, um, for the fix and flip loan. We wouldn't offer straight cash at the closing table. It's always going to be in the form of those rehab funds, but the bridge can be just a straight cash out option. So it just depends on what their plan is for the property. Um, for our DSCR product, we do have a no ratio. So we go down below that 0.75, you know, which I know a lot of people are, are capped there. So we do have a true no ratio. So if they're planning to keep the loan and a bridge doesn't make sense because they're just going to be looking for another loan in 12 months, you know, and they really 
are planning to keep it, but they're not cash flowing, then we do have that no ratio DSCR as a takeout option as well. Okay, great. Uh, question here, where are you located? It sounds like you're in Hawaii. Um, right now I am in San Diego, but okay. uh, yeah, I go back and forth between the two. Yeah, but you can do this in every state, uh, oh, yeah. I assume, because it's, yeah. We're nationwide. Uh, Aubrey here. I'd like to ask a question, Jacqueline. Yes. Uh, somebody talking? Did you have a question? Yes, I do. I'm Aubrey. I'm a realtor or broker. Um, your phone number. I don't think we have it unless I'm Ryan sent it to us. Yeah, let me get you my work number here. It is. I just got a new work line. It's 619. 619- Nine zero nine seven six three two. All right. I think our um, my my last uh, question to you is audio is bad. So my get it cut oh. off there, Jacqueline. Do you want to drop it in the chat? Oh yeah, sure, no problem. Right, and Jacqueline, um, as a realtor, um, I can. Be my own investor and buy and buy using your hard money, right? Oh yes, no problem. You mean as far as like representing yourself uh, as the exactly. buyer? Yes, no as problem. Buyer. Right, right. Because I'm a corporation already, and I've done this in the past, but I haven't done it in a while. So I'm ready to you know and get back in terms of some investment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'll give you a call at some time and thank you very much for a great um, webinar. I learned a lot, good information. Thank you, Ryan. I look forward to getting your email. Yeah, thank you, everybody. It was my pleasure. Yeah, thanks again, Jacqueline. Uh, again, guys, you can use the link that I'm dropping here. That We'll just get that right over to Jacqueline's team or you can use the number that she gave. Uh, do you, Jacqueline, do you want to drop the number in the chat? Yeah, I just put my phone number and my email in the chat there. So um, feel free to, you can text me or you can call me. I do respond to text messages at that number or feel free to email me as well. So you should be able, oh, it looks like I just put it as a direct message. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, sometimes that, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Let me fix that so everybody can see it. And thanks, everybody, for being here. So uh, Josh and I should be back with the Wake Up Show tomorrow. Um, and uh, we'll probably have another one in this series next week. We do have about seven or eight of these kind of mortgage-related webinars uh, in the can on the Wake Up Real Estate site under uh, uh, wakeup.realestate.youtube. There's a playlist with all of these. If you want to check those out as well. Uh, but Jacqueline, I was... I was uh, pleasantly surprised that you were here today. You seem to be somebody who really understands this part of the the, the business. Not everybody does who's who's offering hard money loans. Um, so so uh, looking forward to working with you. Moving forward. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. I love yeah. I love being invited. Thank you so much. All right. See you guys soon. Uh, thanks for being here. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. You can check out full video replays of the show on our YouTube channel at Wake Up Real Estate, or you can check out the link in the description on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Thanks again, and see you tomorrow.